been happily going through the Gospel of Luke, and I'm loving that, but we've hit pause on that for a handful of weeks so that we could get into a series on family. We're calling it Awkward Family, because let's be honest, family is tough, isn't it? I mean, look, all of us are so shaped, so impacted by our family of origin. And at the same time, all of our families are so messed up and so broken. I mean, the entire counseling industry is built upon that, right? That's what it's predicated upon. And so we're talking about awkward family. Family is difficult. Now, as we say awkward family, we're reminded of these uh, photos. You can find them on, uh, on the internet of awkward family photos. Like, check this one out. God bless those people. When I, when, I, when I see those matching outfits, I, suddenly I don't feel so bad about my family of origin. I'm like, okay, maybe we weren't that bad. All right, here's another one. Check this one out. <laughs> now, that one took you longer, right? Because at first you look, oh, wait, that's a nice family. Whoa, <laughs> what is on the left? What is going on there? Oh, my goodness. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. So here's a question I have for you. How many of you, when you think of your family growing up, you feel like that child on the left? You feel like, man, I just didn't belong. I didn't fit in. Let me suggest something to you. Here's what I want you to catch. That in the church, that is the family of God, in the church, I believe it is our single people who feel like the child on the left. Because as soon as we go into a series on family, a lot of our single folks groan inside. Once again, church is not for me. And here's a whole sermon series that won't apply to me. And so we started out last week. Pastor Jared did a wonderful sermon on childhood that applies to all of us. And this week, I'm going to be talking about singlehood. Because that's part of our family photo as a church. What I need to address out of the gates is I believe that in American modern-day Christianity, we have an idol. We have embraced the idolatry of marriage and family. Now, it ought to all be about Jesus and eternity and his kingdom and church, but we've turned it into something different. It's about me and my family. And I'm convinced that a little Christian religion is going to help that goal. And so I'm going to mix God into it because I can leverage God to help me with me and my family. But, but that's not the way it's supposed to work. Instead of leveraging God, instead I should leverage my life. Whether you're single or married, either way, I should leverage my life to serve God in his kingdom. Instead, I'm trying to leverage God to serve me and my family. So what we do is... Uh, Christianity is we rightly condemn worldly hedonism. We condemn sinfulness. Yep, absolutely. But what we replace that with is not Jesus. We replace it with the Christian nuclear family. There's your Savior. That's an idol. And and so 
good ministries pop up as a result. Focus on the family. Great ministry. Me, no disrespect to them. I've benefited from their ministry. Great ministry. But what it shows is that we are starting to marry, if you will, we're starting to marry Christianity to family, the Christian nuclear family, and it's an unbreakable covenant. That's an idol. So, if God exists to give me family, then what if I'm single? Then I don't need your God. And, and, and then we go, well, that's not good. And so what we do then is we view our single sisters and brothers as kind of less than, broken, needing fixed, not quite whole. And I don't know that that's right. I don't know that that's good. And what happens then is church can feel kind of awkward for our single folks. It can feel like church is all geared towards it's meant for families. And so in the process then, what we could do as a church is we could be implying that church is for families. And if that's our implication, then what we're saying to single people is this, church is not for you. That's a huge problem, a growing problem. I don't know if you're aware, the, the unmarried adults, that segment of our population, adults who are not married, that is a growing segment. It's up to 45% of our culture. Now, we have a goal given to us by Jesus Christ, that is to reach everybody in our culture with the message of Christ, with Jesus himself. And to 45% of our culture, we could be saying, church is not for you. That's a problem. It's a big problem. And it's in contrast to the scriptures. Here's what the scriptures say. Look, we'll start in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 56, verses 4 and 5. For thus says Yahweh, this, thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. It's better than family. <laughs> okay, what the heck was that about? And now I get to talk about eunuchs. Yay! Right, so, <clears throat> eunuchs. Uh, a eunuch is one who cannot procreate, doesn't get married, doesn't have children, doesn't have family, okay? It's a single person, so to speak. Actually, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 12, Jesus gives us text on this. He says there's actually three categories of eunuchs. One is a eunuch who was one by birth. In other words, there was some congenital defect, and this is one who would never be able to procreate. And in a Jewish culture, that person would never get married. And then there, there were eunuchs, Jesus said. Secondly, eunuchs who are made so by men. Snip, right? So that's a procedure done. That would be done because they would be in service to a king sometimes or something like that. But check this out. Jesus adds a third category. He says, eunuchs who are so by choice in order to serve the kingdom of God. These are people who could get married, could procreate, but are choosing a life of singlehood because of serving Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus adds that in there. And speaking of them, then Isaiah is saying that for those people, if they walk with God and they seek to please him and they give themselves wholeheartedly to his kingdom, then he gives them a monument and a name that's better than family. Wow. Wow. Speaking of Jesus, let me put it to you this way. I want to ask you some questions. 
Is Jesus deficient? Is Jesus broken? Is Jesus less than? Is church for Jesus? Would Jesus be welcoming? You understand Jesus is single, right? Jesus is the only perfect human being ever. Complete. Fulfilled. And he's single. He's single. You go, well, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, but he's God. Okay, well, what about the Apostle Paul? Was he deficient? Was he broken? Was he less than? There's, there's a man who I think gave us a pretty okay example of Christian discipleship. And, and, and look what Paul wrote. I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, this is the word of God delivered through the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 7, for time, we'll skip a bit, but we'll start in verse 7. Look at this with me. I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. <laughs> I think the scripture is so real, right? You love that. It's in there. Check this out from that passage, though. Who's deficient? The deficient person is the one who can't control their own passions and therefore must get married. Not the single person who can control it and serve Jesus. That's who's less than. You see that? The married person. Wow, check that out. Notice also that Paul calls each one a gift. He says singlehood is a gift and marriage is a gift. They're both gifts. Now, granted, sometimes we feel about and we look at singlehood like a white elephant gift, right? Like, like that's the one nobody wanted or maybe you'll re-gift that next year. Like that's that kind of gift. But Paul calls it a gift, which means that God, your Father in heaven, who's all-wise, all-loving, all-knowing, he's sovereign, he has intentionally given you the gift of singlehood. Or if you're married, he's given you the gift of marriage. He's a good, wise father. He doesn't do one size fits all. Like as fathers, I know, like I got to treat my kids different. And they don't all need the same thing. God does that. He gives some singlehood, some marriage. Now when it comes to the gift of singlehood, let me clear something up because we get weird about that. Like what's it mean to have the gift of singlehood? Let me explain this. I get that when we talk about being unmarried, there's categories. There's, there's divorce, there's widowed, and there's never been married. But either way, you're unmarried, okay? So let me ask you this. If you are one of my sisters or brothers that you're not married, raise your hand right now, okay? You're in the single category, unmarried category. Okay, to you folks, here's what I want to tell you. You have the gift of singlehood. That's how you know. All right, if you're married, raise your hand. Guess what gift you have? You have the gift of marriage. That's how you know. You say, well, wait a minute, time out. What, how do I know if I'm called to a life of singlehood? This one's really simple. Here's how it goes. When you die, if you've never been married, you are called to a life of singlehood. Okay, like, now you know, right? Now you know, that's how you figure it out, all right? So that is what it, but the gift, the gift is whatever God has given to you as his gift, that is for you. And singlehood is a gift. It can be a great life. In fact, the passage is gonna tell us it can even be a better life. Let's keep looking at it. Verse 26. 
Paul continues, he says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Okay, interjection right here. Paul is now using the language of slavery for marriage. I'm just saying, like that's in there. I'm not kidding. That's what he's using. Anyway, so he says, are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. For those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. What? (laughs) Wow. Now, what he's saying, though, is, is notice he says, neither is sin. Both singlehood and marriage are valid expressions of Christian discipleship. And Paul isn't dissing marriage. Look, some of the best passages we have on marriage, like Ephesians 5, came from God through the hand of Paul. He's not dissing marriage. But what he's saying is, each has its strengths and its weaknesses. There are trade-offs between them. And what we tend to do with that is we treat it like the grass is always greener, right? Like if we're single, we want to be married. And if we're married, I ain't finishing that. I got to go home tonight, right? <laughs> so, but, but we treat it that the grass is always greener. And Paul's warning us. He's saying, look, listen, listen, be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. And he's cautioning marriage is tough. Marriage is tough. Married people, can I get an amen? If you set him in too loudly, you're going to have troubles on the ride home, right? Like, just go easy on there, right? But it's tough. Why? Because here's marriage. In marriage, you are called to live intimately with another sinner. That's tough. And you are called to daily lay down your life for that sinner that you have covenanted together with in marriage. And it takes time, and it takes energy, and your focus is divided, and then eventually kids come along, which means more sinners! More sinners in the house! That's great, right? And they take time, and they take energy. I haven't had a hobby for 18 years. How old my son is, and I'm not kidding, because when it comes to God and ministry and family, I'm done. Go to sleep, wake up the next day. That's the truth. Now, are there perks? Yes, there are perks in marriage. There are perks in having kids. I get it. But here's the thing. If marriage and family, if those are your hope, you will be disappointed. That's, it's not meant to bear that kind of weight. Now, how many of you are thinking right now, like, wow, pastor's got it bad at home. <laughs> we need to pray for him. We need to get him. No, I've got a wonderful wife, wonderful marriage. I love being a dad. I love my kids. But I agree with Scripture. Let's continue looking at Scripture. Verse 31. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Happy wife? It's biblical. It's right in there, right? So so you see, the married man is, is thinking about how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. 
I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order, and look at this, and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. We'll end with verse 38. He says, So then, he who is married, excuse me, he who marries his betrothed does well. And he who refrains from marriage will do even better. What happened to focus on the family? Wow. What it's saying is singleness can be better than marriage and children. You know what's weird? Give you a little bit of a peek into my, my prayer life. One of the things I pray for regularly, of course, I pray for my kids. I, I'm praying for their future spouses. Because if they marry, I want them to marry well. I'm also praying for my grandkids. My kids aren't even out of high school. I'm already on them for grandkids, right? That's why it's, I can't wait to be a grandfather, right? I'm all over them. Have you noticed that I've made an assumption? I'm assuming that what if God, God might have something better for my kids. They might never get married. I'm making an assumption. So what I want you to catch is single or married, we do the grass is greener. There are trade-offs. Both have advantages. Both have disadvantages. Both can be valid expressions of Christian discipleship. So in light of 1 Corinthians 7, what I want to do is I want to pull out three things that we'd talk about. The first one is this. I want you to be fulfilled in Christ. Let me go Jerry Maguire on you for a moment, okay? You complete me. Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello, right? Right? (laughs) Classic scene, right? When we think of that in, in human romantic relationships, you complete me, you define me, you give me worth, you give me identity, I feel desirable, I know my place in this world because of my relationship with you. And we go, oh, that's nice. That's great. Here's the problem. Those are all things we as disciples should be saying to Jesus. Jesus should complete us. We should be fulfilled in Christ. We have no more needs. We're fulfilled in Christ. That's where that goes. And you go, yeah, but hold on. I mean, Jesus isn't right here right now. How can I do? Okay, time out. Listen to this. All the time we say that Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. Is it? Do you believe that? You're about to prove it right now, right? Because like, if you're saying, well, Jesus can't fulfill me in that relationship. Oops. You see? No, of course he can fulfill you. It is a real relationship. And so married or single, the big problem that we have is that we're not being fulfilled in Christ. And that leads to a couple problems when we're not fulfilled in Christ. Let me point those out. Number one, marriage becomes an idol. And whether you are married or single, if you are looking for any earthly thing, including the institution of marriage, If you're looking for any earthly thing to be the solution to your problem, you have an idol. You need to be fulfilled in Jesus. Secondly, if you are not fulfilled in Christ, then you are most probably, you're going to be in a hurry to get married, which means you'll probably likely settle for less than God had for you. And that's a problem. And then the third problem is this. Then if you do get married, now instead of being fulfilled in Christ, you're looking to your spouse to fulfill you, which means you're not looking to give in marriage, you're looking to take. And that's a problem. 
we need to be fulfilled in Christ. Married or single, we need to learn to love Jesus and walk with Jesus and enjoy Jesus, share a life with Jesus, be fulfilled in Christ. Let him meet all our needs. Now we're in a position of strength. And if you're single, you're in a position of strength and you can approach the world around you, the people around you, to give and love and serve. Same thing if you're married. We need to be fulfilled in Christ. All right. Second thing I want to pull out of that passage. We need to live for the eternal. You understand, don't you, that marriage is temporal. All right, so to the question, are we married in heaven? Yeah, to Jesus. But no, not to each other. And I know that rocks some of your worlds. You're like, whoa, what was that? And I don't have time to unpack all of that right now. I did a recent video, an Ask Pastor Rick video. You can catch that online and check that out. Uh, If you can't find the link, email the office. They'll help you out. For now, I'm just going to assume that in the discussion, that earthly marriage as we know it is a temporal thing. And we as disciples of Christ are called to live for that which is eternal. And if we base our whole understanding of Christianity around a marriage institution that is temporal, that sums off course. You see that? Live for the eternal kingdom. So if you're married, I don't want you asking, how can I leverage God for my marriage? I want you saying, how can I leverage my marriage for God? We've got to think, how can I leverage the gift that God's given me as a married man? How can I leverage that to serve God? Now, if you're single, my sisters and brothers, If you're single, I want you thinking, God has given me this gift. How can I leverage this gift he's given me to serve him, to serve eternity? And you're in a wonderful position for it. Let me tell you why. Because we're in the new covenant. See, in the old covenant, the way you became a part of the covenant people of God was you had to be Jewish. You had to be born in for the most part. And that's why marriage and offspring and inheritance was so important in the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. We're in Christ. And people enter the covenant people of God, not by physical birth, but by spiritual birth. It's by faith, which means you, as a single person, can go populate heaven. You can have a host of spiritual offspring. What about the Apostle Paul? Do you think he lived a wild adventure with God, a great fulfilled life? Yeah. Yeah, and I think he had just a few spiritual offspring, right? You can do that. You can do that. I want you to live for the things that are eternal. Now, to get at that a little bit, I want to give you three don'ts here. Number one, don't stay single because you just want to play around or you want to be a player. That's not living for eternity. That's not why we're called, uh, some of us, to be single. Second don't, don't stay single because you're bitter. I just swear off men. Right? That's, that's not what Paul's saying, okay? It's not about bitterness. And then thirdly, don't stay single because you're looking back at your parents' marriage and going, I don't want any of that. That was a train wreck, and I just want to avoid that. If that's your reason for you are denying the power of the gospel in your life. I'm an example. Parents' marriage was a train wreck. God's done things in my life. Redemption, yes, God can do that. Don't stay single for that reason. But instead, embrace it as a gift. That's what Paul said. It's a gift. Now, let me help you understand something. When we talk about gifts, we usually think like birthday gifts, Christmas gifts. You're given a gift and the gift is for you, right? That's a gift. Here's a gift for you. Not when it comes to the Bible. 
When the Bible talks about gifts, like about spiritual gifts, a gift is given to you, but it's not for you. So with spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit has given you as a believer a gift, but it's not for you. It's so that you can serve others. So it is with marriage and singlehood. You are given a gift from your heavenly Father, but it's to you, but it's not for you. You're supposed to use it in service to God and his kingdom for all eternity. And so what I want you to do, if, if you're single, I want you to start to think, how can I use the gift that God's given me right now? How can I leverage this season in my life to serve God, to populate eternity? It's a wonderful, wonderful gift, and you can use it to serve others. But, but that might require number three. And, and the third thing I want to poke at is to be content in your current stage. I don't want you to miss the life God's given you right now. You know, John Lennon had that great line that life is what happens to you while you are busy making other plans. That's true. We're always living in tomorrow, this summer, next year, when I get married. That's when life will begin. Life's now. Life is where God has you right now. We're always looking ahead. I, I listened to Tony Evans preaching about singlehood one time, and uh, he talked about it like being on a plane, going to an airport. You know how sometimes there's like a lot of weather at the airport, a lot of travel, whatever, and they can't land, land your plane right away, and so they put you in a holding pattern, and you're just circling, waiting to land. Have you been, I've been in that situation before. If you've been on a plane like that, you know people respond in one of two ways. Some people get out a book, they get out a laptop, they, they make the most of that time, right? But not everybody, right? Then there's the other people, and they are just ticked. Right? They're tapping their foot and they're banging on the chair and they're being a pain to the flight attendant and they are just impatient. They are upset at the airline. It doesn't make the plane land any sooner. They just missed out on the time. That's what Evans was saying about singlehood. Sometimes what happens is instead of making the most of that stage, of that gift, of that season and leveraging, instead we're just ticked at God and waiting for the plane to land. Don't do that. Be content in your stage. Your singlehood is not a curse. It is a gift. It is an opportunity. But not if you pout the whole time. Then you're just going to miss it. You're going to squander that season, right? There are perks to your stage that you are in. Single folks, I want you to know, you've got some advantages I don't have. As a married man, my focus is split. When last, about a year ago, right? Yeah, April 1st, I took a team from our church. We went down to serve at an orphanage in Costa Rica. The very first morning we woke up there, I got a text from my wife, read it, my daughter just had a grand mal seizure. Now I'm at the very beginning of a week that I need to lead a team to minister to them, uh, love them, we're doing orphans, we're doing construction. Is my mind in Costa Rica? No. My mind and heart is back in Ohio. I'm divided. Guess who's not going on a mission trip this year? <laughs> not just because of my daughter, but because of family. And the point is that, that as a married man, look, I cannot match the pace of a single person who is wholly devoted to Jesus. I just can't. There's an advantage there in singlehood, and I don't want you to miss it. You have an advantage Singles, you can. You can serve and give and volunteer and have a vision and have a mission and go for Jesus and kingdom and eternity and it can be glorious. It's a beautiful thing. It's a gift. Here's what I'm saying. 
all three of these. Look, look, marriage is not the answer. Marriage is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. If you are not fulfilled in Christ as a single person, marriage won't fix that. If you are not living for the eternal as a single person, marriage won't fix that. If you're not content in your singlehood, marriage won't fix that. Marriage is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. And God has given some of you brothers and sisters of mine a great gift of singlehood. Oh, and I just love how Paige Benton Brown put it. Listen to this. She said, I am not single because I am too spiritually unstable to deserve a husband or too spiritually mature to need one. I am single because God is good and this is his best for me. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So before closing today, I want to give a word to both groups. First, I want to speak to you married folks. Here's what I want you to hear. We have to be very cautious that we live this well. Because we need to make sure that our church is for our whole family, including our single brothers and sisters. I want you to befriend them, and I want you to include them. I want you to have friendships with single people. I would suggest of the same gender. Your spouse would appreciate that, right? (laughs) But, But befriend them. Have friendships with them, right? And when, when we are doing church together, can we be hospitable? Let me explain. Hospitality, we usually think of like tea and cookies, right? That's not, that's not what it means. Hospitality is about being considered of the outsider. That is why it is a requirement to be an elder in a church. You have to be hospitable. That's in 1 Timothy, okay? Being considered of the outsider. So here's how this plays out sometimes in our staff life. Some of us guys will be standing around uh, talking and we'll be talking basketball or something like that, right? One of our staff ladies walks up who I know is not into sports. What do we do? We just keep talking sports and exclude her. Who cares? Or what I do is I try to be considerate towards the outsider and I think, what's going on? What's her like? What's she like? And I'll ask her a question about it and I'll change the conversation so that it includes her. That's hospitality. What's this have to do with singlehood? Here's the thing. You got your community group going. And most people in your community group are married with kids. And when you get together, what's the conversation about? It's all about marriage and kids. And then our single folks come in and they feel left out. Could you be hospitable? Could you be considered towards outside? Could you include it so that it is a church, not a married church, but a church community group for both? That's something I think that we need to do. That's my word to married folks. Now, to you, my sisters and brothers who have been gifted by God with singlehood, I want you to know something. Yeah, church is for married folks. And, and, don't miss it, church is for you. Church is for single people. We love you. We adore you. I do not think you're broken. I do not think you need fixed. You are not less than. According to the scriptures, you might actually be more than. You fit here. You fit here. I want to ask you to join us in this family. Uh, uh, Get involved in community groups. Get involved in Bible studies. Serve alongside us. Fellowship alongside us. We are the church. There is not a married church and a single church. There's just one church. 
People ask me, Pastor Rick, do you have a singles ministry? My answer is yes. It meets right here every Sunday, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. You're sitting in it right now. We just have church. We're all in this together. Now, granted, I talked to some of my single folks, and they expressed that they have unique social needs. And, and so we have created a Facebook page. Look, you can go on our website, under ministries, go down to single, and you get to our singles page. That will basically point you to a Facebook page. We want a Facebook page so you can post to it. I'm going to request, don't do sales and solicitation. Stop it. It's not what it's for. <clears throat> but what it's for is so that you can say, hey, I'm going hiking next Saturday at this trailhead at 10 a.m., whoever wants to join. I'm going bowling on Thursday night, whatever, and, and you can go. You can connect with each other. Take advantage of it if that would bless you, okay? That's there for you. But either way, here's how I want to end today. We're about to continue in worship. And I want to ask you, would you bow your heads right now? Bow your heads for a moment. And I, I don't know if you're going to do this like literally and figuratively or maybe just, or excuse me, literally and physically or maybe just, maybe just figuratively, metaphorically. But either way, what I want you to do is I want you to reach out your hands right now towards your Heavenly Father. And I want you to receive from Him the gift He's given you. If you are single, you are receiving from your Lord the great, great gift of singlehood. If you're married, you're receiving the gift of marriage. But either way, either way, He's given you a gift. Now what I want you to do is I want you to fall in love with Jesus. Not with your gift. I want you to fall in love with the giver of the gift, Jesus himself. And I want him to be enough for you. And I want you to trust him. And in a moment, we'll sing that. But first, let me pray. Father, thank you very much for being a good, good daddy to us and giving us a wonderful family. And it's not one size fits all. You've called different people in different ways and you put us together and we love each other. As married folks, we love our singles. I know our single folks love our marrieds. And we want to celebrate the gift that you've given to people who are different than us as well as celebrate the gift you've given us. Thank you for the good gifts you've given in our lives. I do pray that you would teach us and lead us that we would be fulfilled, not in any gift, but we would be fulfilled in Christ. I pray that we would live for your eternal kingdom. And I pray, Father God, that you would lead us to be content where we are right now. And I pray for that in Christ's name. Amen.